What's going on, everybody? Sam Brown here. Welcome to episode uh, 15 of the In Between Sets podcast. Um, different kind of style today. What I'm going to have is Travis Robertson back on. Uh, he was the former strength coach for the uh, Columbus Clippers and the Cleveland Indians. Like He was all over uh, professional baseball, which is amazing to see and amazing to have him on again. He was also my training partner at Elite um, and is an absolute stud when it comes to coaching, programming, and uh, just making people real fucking strong. So what I wanted to do is last week, I jumped onto my Instagram and asked you guys what you wanted me to talk about uh, for a potential solo episode or a, a very specific episode on a topic in programming was one of the biggest uh, questions and uh, subjects that you wanted me to dive into. So I really had a fun time talking to Travis about programming in regards to strength athletes, in regards to how you program for yourself, the decision-making that goes into it, the important sort of uh, questions to ask yourself, as well as the big takeaways that you need to have and you need to kind of start thinking about when it comes to not only picking a program for yourself, programming for somebody else, or just building a program from scratch, right? So we go into a tremendous amount of detail when it comes to um, how you go about this process. So if you've ever been interested in getting a finer uh, look into programming, into understanding the variables involved and what sort of process you need to do in order to get the best program for yourself, you need to listen to this podcast. So before we begin, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Practice Movement and Recovery, practicemovement.com for all of your online training, consultation, and coaching needs. Practicemovement.com is, is me, and it's the only sponsor for this show. So if you enjoy this content, if you enjoy what I do here and the people that I bring on, make sure that you check out the episodes, share the episodes, and go from there. So thank you guys very much for checking this out. Welcome to episode number 15 of the In Between Sets podcast, talking about programming with Travis Robertson. This is oh, what we do, man. There's a countdown. This is a countdown. There's a real countdown. And we're live. <laughs> oh, got oh, it. Shit. Drop my thing there. All right. Welcome. Uh, this is, I think this is episode 15, I believe, of the In Between Sets podcast. You are the first repeat offender. Travis, how does that make you feel? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So... Uh, last week I jumped on my Instagram and posted up, uh, something about like solo podcasts or topics or, or just something to kind of dig deeper into. And the biggest questions, uh, that we got were for programming specifically for strength athletes, specifically for how to get more fucking jacked, like just very like broad strength training. Uh, we had a few people that were interested in powerlifting specifically, but mostly, I think a lot of people get confused when it comes to the programming side of things. I think they believe that that is like the nuts and bolts of programming is the reason that someone gets strong as opposed to, you know, the consistency of effort that we've kind of talked about before. So for those who don't know, Travis, you've coached from the highest level of, of professional sports to now you're at a high school uh, and you've 
you've uh, coached collegiate athletes. Like you've literally coached the entire spectrum of sport and athlete that you can essentially, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we're almost there. We're, we're almost there. Um, so. What I, why I wanted to bring you on is because we have weekly conversations about our own programming on our own training, right? So I wanted to get the audience kind of involved into some of those discussions and, and kind of just break down how you go about programming for athletes, how I go about pro programming for athletes and how we essentially create our own programs from like start to finish, right? So this is going to be kind of a programming deep dive. So if you're working with somebody, say, we'll start with uh, a strength athlete, a powerlifter, whatever. How do you initially begin with uh, forming their program? What's your process for that? I mean, first of all, you got to kind of know how long they've been training, like what level they're at. Um, what's their like what programming have they done? what have they found kind of works for them? What hasn't worked in the past and just kind of lay everything out like injuries, what kind of job they have? Um, do they have a family? Are they single? I mean, all those things come into play, especially from like a recovery standpoint, because you can only do what you can recover from. Um, so kind of dig into those things first um, and kind of take what they've had success with and what I've had success with, with athletes, strength athletes, like themselves and kind of work together of like, cause everybody, you know, some people want to train five days a week. Some people can only train three days a week is in the morning at the night. So trying to lay everything out that way and then slowly get into like the numbers and the percentages and, and just the movement standpoint too of, and what's our end goal too? Is it to compete or is it just to get strong, look good, both and stuff like that. And just kind of start from there. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the, the point that a lot of people kind of miss when it comes to programming. Like if you're actually going to program for yourself, you need to have that conversation with yourself to really understand what your goals are. And, and I've had conversations like with, with Bromley on programming. I've talked like Bobby Thompson on the last episode talking about it, about how the stronger he got, the more simple his program got is because it was just controlling the variables that you can control. So really, you want to start with that end goal in mind, right? You want to start with the end and work your way backwards. I actually find it easier to program for somebody that's going to be competing in a powerlifting meet because it gives you a time frame, right? It gives you like uh, a very clear sort of roadmap if you have that end goal in mind. So I think a lot of people that are garage gym, you know, meatheads, whatever, if they're going to try to just be like, all right, I want to just get strong. That is such a broad term. Like you don't even know what you want to measure. You don't know how long you want to do that for. You don't, you don't have all the information. So I guess step one, if you're trying to build your own program is to understand what you're trying to get better at. If it's strength, be very specific. Is it a particular lift? Is it you want to just get overall strength up in, you know, in these general senses, but at the same time, you need to have that end goal in mind and, and figure out what you're trying to measure. And one of the things that I, I love about what you do and, and how you coach is you have such a skill set to look at the data, to collect data, 
to look at it and to just see you're a big numbers guy. And that's great because I am 100% a wannabe numbers guy. Like I got thrown into, <laughs> into the world of like sports performance data this year. And I'm, I'm like asking you questions every fucking week. I'm like, what is this acronym? What the fuck is going on here? But for most people, most of the time, I think just having very clear, it's like, okay, you want your bench, your squat, and your deadlift to go up? Cool. Those are your three metrics that you need to kind of break down even further, right? So let's say for this situation, um, a strength-focused athlete or a strength-focused person wants to get a bigger squat, bench, deadlift. They're not competing, but what they want to do is they just want to get stronger. What is your next step to work with that person? I guess where are their numbers now? Do they have a number that's in the mind of where they'd like to be or what do they perceive as going up? Is it like five pounds? Do they want it to go up 50 pounds? And then is there lifts or things they do within their training? They know that when that goes up, it goes up. Like if you can carry a yoke so far, like, you know, your squat's going up. What's things we can do where we don't have to constantly test the squat bench and deadlift, but we'll know that they're getting stronger. Um, and then kind of pick a date of kind of like when you want to figure out when those numbers want to be achieved. I mean, like you said, it's easier when somebody's competing because it is a set time frame. So it's almost like you kind of have to talk with them and kind of figure it out because if not, it's going to make things way more difficult to program. And then, I mean, just figuring out what like your key performance indicators are going to be, like I said, so you don't have to test those. Um, like if you box squat goes up, okay, maybe your free squats going up and stuff. But like the biggest thing is like, get, once you get the numbers set down to like percentages and reps, having constant backup plans and detours within their program and, or in the back of your mind to be able to give them those because nothing's going to go in a perfect world. Um, it's like I tell my high school kids mm -hmm. all the time, like, if strength was linear, I'd be the strongest person in the world, but your numbers don't go up every time you come in the weight room. It gets waved. Sometimes those waves are bigger or smaller, depending on time of the year, what's going on in your daily life. So it's like having those expectations of don't get frustrated and also make sure they're fully bought and where they're not just going to go test their straight bar bench on a random ass day, because that could be hurting their training and you're losing a training day within that program. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think uh, another point to kind of bring up with this in regards to uh, just gaining more background information is have you as an athlete or a, a competitor or whatever, have you been keeping tabs on what those KPIs are? Because a lot of people are just like, oh, I want my squat to get bigger. It's like, okay, well, are you getting better at, like you said, like a yoke walk? Or are you getting better at like single leg work? Are you get like, are you tracking any sort of progress anywhere else in your life? Right. I had a conversation yesterday with one of my, with one of my track women. And she was like, how come my, my vertical jump isn't as good as it was the last time we tested it? I was like, well, we tested every week as just to kind of see how, where you're at. But it's one of those things where it was like, okay, how was practice today? Oh, practice kicked our ass. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like that, that's kind of weird that you would not be <laughs> as performing at the highest level when you're, you've gotten the shit kicked out of you for the last two hours. Right. So 
with when it comes to the strength game, it's the same sort of thing. Is like if you don't understand what you've done prior to or what experiences you've had prior to, it's going to be very difficult for you know just a random person on the internet that you want to have coach you to give you that much more information. It's like online coaches, remote coaches, or coaches even in person, they can only go so far because they don't know how they don't have the experiences that you do in your own training. And I think that's one of the things that people need to hear more of is you need to realize that your history of training is wildly important to where and how you get to that next level. Because if you're like, oh, I just go into the gym and just do whatever. It's like, oh, what the fuck do you want me to do? It's like continue doing whatever until you start to find some information that can help benefit you. And, and like for us in the world of multiply, there are so many variables and layers to having a good squat day or having a good bench day where people have a tendency of, of thinking, like you said, it's linear and like you do not develop in that sense. And you, you nailed it. It's like strength isn't linear. If I have a shitty night of sleep and I try to go squat fucking 750 pounds, it's like, I'm probably going to not do well and I'm going to feel like shit. And that is part of the program. That's part of the play. Um, and if you're just not tracking anything at all, whether it be not tracking your progress with particular exercises or accessories or not even just tracking your sleep or your stress levels, like you're just pissing in the wind, hoping that it doesn't fucking splash in your face. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you it'll splash in your fucking face because that's what happens is, is if the less you track, the less you take advantage of, of, of information and, and experiences, the, the less you have to work off of. So say you're working with somebody that they, they are a general strength athlete. They just want to get stronger. They realize, okay, if my front squat goes up, if my, you know, good mornings go up, my squat goes up. It's like where at like at what point and how do you start determining volume, the X's and O's, the sets and the reps, right? What what sort of systems do you have for that? Well, it's if they've got a decent training history, like I try to find out what they respond well to. Like for me, an instance, like I know that I can't do on certain lifts with a straight bar, like I can't handle a lot of heavy volume. And stuff like especially with deadlifts like i try to keep it to like one two reps just because i know four or five six reps is just going to absolutely wreck me and i'm not going to respond to well so it's trying to even get that information of like okay do you handle a lot of volume pretty well but like when you get into doubles triples in that 75 to 85 percent range like that's when you struggle so it's trying to map out okay do they need more body build like what's their muscle mass like do they need just need to gain more muscle initially. So it's like, okay, maybe we go through a hypertrophy bodybuilding phase early on or do something where it's more bodybuilding, but the percentages are kind of higher because they can handle that. And then that way we can transition into like a strength phase fairly easy. Um, I think lost my train. I thought I had something, but I was going to say it's also like getting back side note of getting back to like the information and stuff like if you can just write if somebody has a coach like and you can record on like a piece of paper or whatever like everything daily of like how you how many hours you slept 
Did you get in a fight that day? And if you can keep track of that stuff and then look back at your numbers that you were hitting during your training session day, like you're just giving that coach that much more information of like, you can look back of like, oh, I only hit 80% for two and I should have hit four, but I got in a fight with my significant other. My kid had me up all night and I didn't sleep well. It's like, okay, that makes sense. I just didn't have a bad strength day and I'm not getting stronger. So it's like, no, those variables were the reason that you had a bad day. It's not because you're not getting stronger. It's because I think like people just get so frustrated early on because like if you program like a five by five, like their loads are down and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, I'm not hitting singles and doubles very often. Like I'm not getting any stronger. We know somebody like this, but we're not going to mention their name. Uh, <laughs> but, you mean some of the gifts uh, progressively worse at hitting 315 on bench? <laughs> Yes. Um, but like you, something I've done <laughs> with athletes before that, like I've even found out like when I was competing raw that I, I really liked it of each week when you're doing the main movement, building up to say 80% for a double, but your work sets are at 65 to 70% for fives because, and just keep progressing that top number just a little bit by a little bit, they're going to get used to the heavier loads eventually. That way, when they go to test, they've had 90% on their back because they were hitting back offsets afterwards. They're not going to go linear of just 65, 75, 80%. And then I get the 90. It's like, fuck, I've never had this on my back. And when you go straight to that, like I think the mental aspect becomes huge for a lot of people. So that's, that's kind of where I start with. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I follow the same sort of pattern too. It is actually uh, my client Dylan is going to be competing next, not this weekend, next weekend. And I took him from like, it, he was awesome to see because he just needed to get like just a little bit more muscle. Like his technique was is flawless. And he's like, he, every single rep looks exactly the same, but he kept hitting a ceiling over and over and over. And I'm like, okay. Normally, most people don't really get to that point where they hit a ceiling because their technique starts to break down. His was fucking great. It was phenomenal. But the problem was he just needed more muscle mass. He just needed to put a little bit, spend more time in that hypertrophy phase to get more tissue and to just get more mass behind the bar. And then all of a sudden now we're able to express that newfound tissue, that newfound strength towards the direction that he wanted to go. And I think that's kind of two, uh, two, uh, two sort of directions you can go initially is one, if you live at like 60 to 75% and you nail your form down and you spend a block or two there, like you're gonna get better technically. And that technique whether you're raw or in gear, specifically in gear, right? Like if you can nail your technique in gear, all of a sudden you're putting 50, 100, 200 pounds on your back that you didn't have before because you are more technically savvy and you're more efficient with that movement. So step number one was like, either you start your own program by nailing down, down that technique, or if your technique is really good already, spend a little extra time away from the movements and just build some mass, build some tissue, shit, even conditioning. How many times have we seen like really, really strong people 
who are struggling with hitting new weights, new max, because they can't handle the recovery, not only between like session to session, but also set to set. We know somebody that's like that, who's just like holding on to shit. If there's like a set of four or set of five or something. Right. So I think it's important for you to realize and, and for people to have that conversation with themselves is to realize like, okay, is my technique up to par? Your technique can always get better. You can always get better with, with heavier and heavier weights over the course of time. But at, is it at a baseline right now where my reps look consistent regardless of the weight that's on my back? If the answer is no, spend some time in the lighter ranges working on that technique, right? That's especially true for beginners. Beginners will get more out of just getting their technique locked in rather than spending all this time in a hypertrophy block. Like it's just, that's just the, the name of the game, right? But if you're a more intermediate or advanced lifter, and if you're running into a fact, it's like, okay, my technique looks great, but I'm just not getting any better. Maybe it's time to spend some time just building some more mass, building some more tissue, right? Yep. And I think even like with like the form and stuff is, is trying to find the way they squat, the way they bench, the way they deadlift, what's optimum for the way they're built, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody who's 5'9", 280, is gonna have to perform those lifts a little different than somebody who's six one, a buck eighty five. Like you're just built right. different. Like so, you can't put those both those people in the same type of positions. So it's like mm-hmm. while you're tweaking the form of just trying to find out what's optimum for how they're built and the way they move. Like do they have tight hips but hypermobile shoulders and stuff like that? So like you can tweak and try to find out what is more optimal for them while you're tweaking that form as well Mm. and like i think even with like the muscle mass thing like while you're going through a strength phase like if somebody is competing like it's kind of like what we talked about the other day like you get so buried from like your main lifts that like your accessories feel like shit so it's almost like coming in the next day and just hitting like a bodybuilding day so you're still hitting Mm. still keeping your volume so you don't lose the muscle mass because when you're doing doubles and just singles of heavy weights, like you're losing that volume and stuff. So just mm-hmm. keeping some lighter bodybuilding work throughout the week may help keep that muscle mass as you're going through a strength phase. Yeah. And, and even if you're going through that hypertrophy block, you can still have your main movements of the day. You're like a level B level exercises, be a lower intensity or a lower weight main move like a a bench a squat and a deadlift to keep your technique there and then you just fucking hammer those accessories hard it's almost like you're just shifting the weight or or the intensity towards the accessories on your bodybuilding style blocks as opposed to beating the shit out of yourself with 85 percent plus thinking you're getting better and better because we've seen it people who just hit the main movements and then just like ah we'll just go for blood flow it's like, well, your blood is already fucking flowing. So I don't know what you want to do uh, because you're not getting any, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. The, um, but like it, it's there, there needs to come a point where you have to be building with a tool of building something, right? It can't just be very, very light and then like fluff and buff shit and you expect to get better. There has to be the stimulus in there to grow, to develop, to, to, put that size on to build that strength. And I think a lot of people get caught up if they're not hitting their main movement hard, then everything else 
doesn't need to progress. It can just kind of float around. The best results I've ever gotten for even in strongman uh, was watching my accessories go up. It's like all of a sudden, if I'm doing flat bench or a flat dumbbell press with like 125s, 130s, it's like, oh shit, if I could get this to 150s and push this hard, what would happen when I got back to a barbell? Or what happens if I have to press something overhead, right? So having that constant progression in some form is, is vital as well. And it's not necessarily just weight on the bar. It depends on what sort of season you're in, right? Like if I'm, if I'm in a bodybuilding phase or like a foundational sort of phase, I'm going for how many fucking reps of this can I do efficiently and build on that every week, right? I'll keep my main stuff in there just for the technique work, but like I'm pushing dumbbells hard. I'm pushing fucking leg presses hard, hack squats, like belt squats, all this shit that's going to help and and build up your capacity for more work. Because I do think people forget that all we're trying to do is just cross the line of that, whatever that stimulus is, and then get the fuck out of there. If we can do that, then we get better and better, right? It's not about what you can do in one session. It's about what you can, obviously you had said it before, what you can recover from and also what you can actually build on week to week. And that brings me into another point that I think uh, we could deep deep dive into a little bit too, is I think people start too heavy, too fast, right? They, they don't provide themselves a runway of progression. We've seen it with people starting maybe a particular meat prep, failing their squat and their bench. Like we've seen very high level athletes do that. And it's like, what are we trying to do? Like, you're not giving yourself any room to grow. Yeah. I mean, I think even that plays a huge factor in like the mental state too. Like if you're just coming off a meet or just finishing like a strength phase and you're like, I'm going to go straight to 80%. It's like, well, shit. Like if you hit, if you miss that 80%, like multiple weeks in a row, you're going to be just a mental midget. Like you're going to be so frustrated. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like start lower and just gain some confidence. You know, like everybody bashes like the old school five by five progressive overload. But like if you're just adding two and a half, five pounds to a lift every week or every two weeks, like you're getting stronger, Mm. you know? So it's like almost start lower. Like that's why even I like doing like German volume training early on, but cutting down, not doing 10 sets of 10 on the main movement, but doing 10 sets of five because you can still keep the intensity up a little higher, right? Like that's the one thing, like when I was a graduate assistant, we were messing around with like the Bill Kazmaier bench program, like found the Mm -hmm. Bill Kazmaier bench program. So it's like, let's run this for 12 weeks. But it was like the reps were like 12 to 15s starting out. And it's like the weight was so low that it was like, shit, like A, you couldn't hit all of, the reps with the a decent amount of intensity so it was like t- almost too low of a starting point to go into a strength phase so it's like you kind of got to find that happy medium of like what's too low and like what's not very heavy or what's just mm-hmm. you know what i mean like just finding that sweet spot of where to start at and i think like knowing what the end goal is after they compete or you get down to the strength phase it's like okay what's the plan now like how many weeks do we have and just trying to remap it out and stuff like it just goes in waves of okay this worked yeah. last time let's 
try something new. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I was just, that kind of made me remember something too, is when you are trying to make your own program, right. And, and you have a very clear goal it's like, all right, I want my deadlift, my squat, and my bench to go up. Right. There are a million different ways you can go about doing that. People have done, like you had said, German volume training. People have done like that Bulgarian shit where you just try to fucking kill yourself every single day. And some people respond to that, like whatever. But I think realizing that there is no particularly like 100%, this is the only way to do something. It's, it's frustrating to see because it's like, oh, I've been running this program for six months and I didn't go up. I didn't, nothing really got any better. Then it's like, why the fuck were you running it for six months? Like, holy shit. Like there's gotta be these checkpoints, these like, like checks and balances throughout where you're like, am I getting better? Yes or no. Right. And, and I think one of the things that is beneficial, like if you were to run a, a, a conjugate style program where you rotate in the main movements every week, every other week, whatever, and you're picking variations that don't necessarily look a lot like the main movements you're trying to test. It takes a lot of pressure off, right? Because how many times were we at elite where they're like, all right, we're doing this variation. We're like, what the fuck is this? We're like, I don't even know what to put on the bar. Like you have no idea. So you're just like yeah. going to go and I'm just going to strain. I'm just going to work hard. And like, it, we didn't have any of that emotional attachment or that stress involved. And all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, we had 500 pounds, 600 pounds, seven, whatever the fuck it was. We had no idea. And we, it was just one of those things where we were just like training to train because we didn't, we didn't necessarily have a meet coming up or whatever that I think is, is super important. It's like, give yourself some time doing things that you know you suck at and that you are not emotionally invested in. Because it's like, cool. Like if you suck at this, just suck a little bit less and see how it impacts your main lifts later on. You know, a good example for me was like, I've known over the course of time, if my front squat goes up, my strongman performance goes up. That's just a direct correlation. The better I get holding a weight in that front rack position and the stronger I get at front squats, the better I am at picking up a stone, the better I am at picking up farmers, everything, everything gets better. Right. So if you're a power lifter and you're looking to get your bench squat and deadlift, it's like, okay, well maybe experiment with a good morning for a while. See what that looks like. Experiment with a high bar squat. See what that looks like. Right. And it's, yeah. I, I think a lot of people like there are, there is a definitive science to programming, but there also is a, a definitive art that, and, and sort of creativity that comes in with understanding how you can use the tools to get the results that you're looking for as a as opposed to like being so locked in to say, you have to do it this way. You have to do this. Like I've run conjugate. I need bands and chains. I need that. It's like, no, just fucking figure out what works for you and just kind of keep rolling with it. And a good example of that is like Ed Cohen, like he ran the same program like over and over and over. And he knew what worked for him and just kept doing the things that work for him. It doesn't have to look what look like what I do doesn't have to look like what you do. It's, it's one of those things where if this, if you respond well to this, if you enjoy it, then you're going to do it more and therefore you're going to get stronger. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. Like, like what, I mean, it's kind of like a, a fine line of like, don't program jump every like two weeks. If you have goals in mind of getting stronger and stuff like that. But like, obviously if it's not working six months in, like you need to find something else. Like 
And also like, if you're not training for something specific, like play around with different stuff. Like a guy I worked with when I was a GA um, in college, like we would just run six to eight week phases of like different programs. Like we'd run the cube for six to eight weeks. We'd run five, three, one, you know, um, jailhouse strong. It's just like different things. Cause a, we were trying to find out like as a coach, like what works does, what doesn't work, what we like, you know, and things worked for me that didn't work for him. Um, you know, mm. cause we were completely built different. Right. And like, and there's also things that I've taken from each one of those programs that I use like for myself and my athletes. It's like, when I'm looking at how I'm going to map things out, it's like, Oh shit, like that worked at this time, this didn't work. Like I can pull that from this program and stuff like that. Like, you know, banded RDLs or like heavy RDLs, like certain things are like good mornings programmed a certain way. It's like, okay, like I can use those from the programs because I've done them and I've experienced what they're going to do to me. But it's like, don't do it for two weeks and be like, oh, this shit doesn't work. Like I'm going to go on to something else and stuff like, Mm. and have some fun with it. Like it was fun. Like we would just beat the shit out of each other going through, set it to something like, I'm going to do this for six weeks. I like it. Awesome. Maybe we'll do it again. If I don't like it, I'm going to try something new. So like have fun with it too. Like that's the only thing like with a straight bar, like people get so attached to the straight bar, like, you know, like, and the, to each their own, like people that do squat bench deadlift. It's like the older I've got, it's like, I don't like really doing straight bar work as much as I used to when I was, you know, 25 and stuff. It's like Cambridge bar, like it's a new toy. Let's play around with it. And like, just try to figure out what every single exercise I could do with this thing and see if one of them's going to work. Like, let's do some seated good mornings. Mm-hmm. Let's throw a band, throw a chain. Like, so I, I guess like, that's a good thing, I guess, with the conjugate of like, even in your accessories is you can use one bar for like five exercises in the same given workout. And they're going to have different ways of getting you stronger or, you know, mm-hmm. putting strength on or muscle mass. Yeah. And, and that enjoyment factor is huge, right? Like there's, We've all run programs like strongman, particularly as as you're getting closer to your your contest, you're just running the contest sort of weights. You're running the con- like everything looks very similar over and over and over. And, and when I get done with a contest or eat shit, when I get done with a powerlifting meet, I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? None of those things. I'm gonna do none of those things for a fairly long time because I didn't enjoy it. Like the peaking is fun, competing is fun, but like at the end of the day, it's like. If I had to do the same style of training every time I stepped into the gym, I would lose it. I would lose it. Not only that, but I would, I, not only would I not enjoy it, I would break. Like there comes a point where you have to give yourself uh, a little bit of a breather from just beating yourself up with 80% plus on a straight bar and be like, all right, what happened with this peak or what happened with this meet? that I can modify and change things, right? You're gonna take away every time you compete or every time you test, you're gonna be able to come out with nuggets of positive and nuggets of negative. It's like, all right, that didn't work because of this. I felt like shit. So I think it happened because of this exercise at this volume, whatever. And you start to build the playbook for yourself. I don't think it's, it's reasonable to think that you can go into any sort of training or any sort of uh, training protocol and just think that there's only one way of doing it and that you're 
you're you're stuck, right? It, it's like you really, really have to focus and start building up the repertoire of things, of experiences that you have. And it's great to be able to have a conversation with you like weekly, just talking about because now I'm not in Ohio anymore. I don't train with you guys. And now it's like, how can I, first off, that's a motherfucker too. It's like tra- changing situations and changing training crews. Like I am now out of a multiply training crew. And now I'm into like the rawest of raw power lifters. And they're looking at me like I'm a strange man in a diaper. And I am. But it's one of those things, too, where I have to now adapt to that situation where I can't have the full-blown five-hour training sessions with the multiply guys and everybody's going through. We're working up to 90%, straps up, strap, like what? It, there's, it's a whole different thing. So I had to tailor my training to my new surroundings. So now I'm adopting more of a, all right, do what I need to do in the gear. And then most of my time, I'm out of it. Like I'm just, I, I just have to be because I don't have the people around me to spot. I don't have the eyeballs on me to work on that technique. So now I have to change my training to most of the work I do is out of gear and a, one, maybe two days a week I'm in gear, in full gear when I know there are people around to spot me. So if I was following, say I downloaded uh, Dave Kirshen's book gear and I was looking through the, the program he has in there. And I'm thinking about how it matches to my schedule. I'm like, I can't necessarily follow this to the T because I can't always work up to 90% every single Saturday and Sunday because I don't have, there's fucking nobody there. Like, I'm not going to, like, I've tried it one week trying to jump in my suit with minimal, (laughs) with minimal spotters and it ended terribly because it it just wasn't the same environment. So it's like, okay, how do I maximize what my goals are with the situation that I'm in? And and that's another thing too, is, is if you have a home gym, if you have a garage gym and, and you have, you need to, you need to look at your situation and be able to determine if the program will work for your situation. If you're running a very strict West side barbell style conjugate program, it may not work for a garage gym lifter if they don't have the ability to change bars as readily as you would in a, a bigger gym, right? So it's like, okay, well, that may not work. I need to find something that works for me. And it's that modification and, that, and it's that trial and error that you start building and building and building. And every time you test, you come back with, yes, this worked, no, this didn't. But then it's like, you start to write the book. You start to write your own program based on your experiences. And I think so often, I mean, I've run into it with people who are like, hey, can you write me a program for this? I'm like, I don't know fucking anything about you. Like I can write a program, but the, the coaching comes between the sessions and the conversations you have and, and how it's modified on a week to week basis. I mean, you're working with Todd and it, it's, it's, it's a weekly conversation. Shit changes left, right, center. Like he has one idea, you have another. And, and it's, And it's one of those things that you have to kind of work together on. And I think that's a good kind of parlay into if you're going to hire a coach, if you're going to work with somebody, you need to be open to communicate and you need to be open to like, they don't know, they don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. Like, so you need to work together and it's a collaborative environment. No, I would, I was literally getting ready to tap in that. Like, I would agree. Like you, you have to be able to like, even if you're a newbie, like, 
ask your coach questions of like, why are we doing this when we're doing this? Like, A, so you can understand, but like, it's not to make them second guess themselves as a coach, but it, they might be like, oh shit, like I'm meant to do this in this phase, like not this, like this isn't going to work for you and stuff like be able to ask your own questions to your coach and don't be afraid to like, just because they give you a, a program, like, and just don't run it blindly, like ask questions, be able to communicate, like, because they're going to have to adapt your program to you. Like, yeah, like you said, like people ask programs, it's like, yeah, I can give you a stock program. Like, is it going to work? Maybe. But I mean, at the end of the day, like I tell like my athletes like this, like I tell them like they need to be consistent and give effort and they'll get something out of the weight room. Like, and you, like if somebody's writing you a program, like have decency to like put everything you have into the program, like give the effort and just don't go through the motions. And then, because if you don't go, if you don't give everything through your program that they're writing for you and you don't get the results at the end, like you can't be pissed at the per person that's writing your program because you mm -hmm. skipped workouts or were out not drinking every night and expecting to wake up in the morning and go train. Like that's not on them. That's on you as the person trying to run the program. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And that's, that's really one of the main reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you and have this episode is because the, this is the conversation that people need to have with whoever they're being coached by or whoever they're looking to be coached by. And it's super, super important that you, you, have those conversations and you, and you can talk to somebody about like, really like, and it kind of goes back full circle to that initial, it's like, how do you write someone's program or how do you work with somebody initially? You ask them questions. It's like, what's your life? Like, what's your situation? Like shit, what equipment do you have access to? Right? Like I could write a generic stock program, but they're like, all right, I don't have uh, a barbell and I, my dumbbells go up to 50 pounds. It's like, uh, okay, well, this is a very different thing than if someone had a fully stocked gym with everything that they need. Right. So, and be realistic with yourself too, is, is if you, if you want to work with somebody or if you want to develop a program, you're like, all right, I'm going to train six days a week. And it's like, will you like, have you ever trained six days a week? Uh, according to your training notes, you've only trained three days a week for the last 10 years. What makes you think that just doubling it right off the rip is going to, is going to provide you with better results. Right. And then, and having that common sense to realize that, like you had said, nothing is linear in this, in this game. Like it, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's wildly frustrating because the program isn't the magic. The magic is showing up and doing work and understanding the work that you do and, and understanding how to progress it week to week, block to block, year to year. Because I think people have a tendency of forgetting is if the best power lifter in the world competed twice a year, just two times, sometimes three, most of the time it was two. That means you really only have two chances to test that, that matter, right? It's at those meets and how many times I fuck, I'm going to this meet in November with you. I've competed two times in multiply and neither of those days went to plan. They just didn't. So it's like, yes, I had a 750 plus squat in me, but I only got my opener at 625 because that's fucking what happens. So if you're relying entirely on like competitions as your testing days, realize that if you have two days a year to test two, 
and how and flip a coin on if it's fucking going to go right. I mean, obviously, raw lifting, it's a little different. You should not necessarily bomb out, Sparky. Um, but at the same time, we <laughs> you need to understand it's like you have to be building from that progress. And even if you're not going to be competing, you only really have so many maxes in your life, right? Like you only have so many times that you can fucking push the throttle hard before you have to, you know, change, modify, do whatever. And, and it's, it's, it's hard to live at those high percentages for a very long time. If, if, you know, if you're just looking to get a little bit stronger and I think understanding that strength is such a multifaceted thing it's like, what kind of strength are we talking about here? Are you, do you mean strength or do you mean you just want to look fucking jacked, right? Like it, it, be very realistic with yourself because like, as you know, and as I know, it's like powerlifting training to get better at powerlifting is pretty fucking boring after a while. It's like, this is the same thing over and over. And you've experienced with Cal, Cal Dietz, and I do as well. And it's like, he's always harping, you get better at the thing you train. You have to be specific in, in what you do is if you're going to be wildly general in your training, then you can't expect to have wildly specific results. Right? No, I agree. Like lifting is a skill, like every lift's a skill. So it's like, you have, if you want to squat bench deadlift and like, that's your thing. Like you need to be more proficient at those three things. But if you just want to get stronger, like you don't have to squat bench and deadlift all the time. Like there's plenty of different ways to do it and stuff. And like being able to completely change what you've done in the past sometimes may be the thing that gets you stronger or to look better. You know what I mean? Like if you've been running powerlifting style for 10 years and then switch to more power building or just straight bodybuilding like that may be the thing that unlocks strength or size that you're looking for and be able to just yes. adapt yourself as a lifter and stuff like now that i'm in the multi i've had to change my training so much from when i was raw and plus i'm five years older too so it's like i have to completely change things around of like how my recovery and how many times i can work out in a week yeah. And, and that's a big thing too, is, is you had mentioned it before is, is that recovery is super, super important too, is you can't just hammer out five, six, seven days a week, week after week and expect to just get better and not feel any issues or pain. Like for me, I'm, I'm 32 years old. Every time I peak for a powerlifting meet, it's like, Oh, here comes my fucking elbow. Here comes my shoulder. Like this is just what happens when you do the same things over and over and over and over. And, and you see that. And I see that with athletes as well as like you, you start to see the overuse or the over implementation of the same style of movement. And you just hit a wall where your body starts to kind of break down a little bit. I mean, you've seen that in professional baseball, like baseball players are notorious for that. Just overuse injuries, just everything is the same side, same way over and over and over. And you just put that same sort of thought process on powerlifting and it's like, yeah, no shit. Your knees hurt. Yeah. No shit. Your hips feel like ass. Like you haven't been outside of that plane of motion ever. Like that's just always what you've done. Like, and if your goal is to be a more well-rounded, just stronger human, you don't necessarily even have to use a fucking barbell all the time. Like, 
a lot of the people that I work with aren't even, it's not even necessary for them to put a bar, barbell on their back. And that's a question you need to have is, is like, ask yourself is, is, do I want to get stronger in general, just be a stronger human, or do I want to be a, a higher proficient squatter, bencher and deadlifter, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Like if you just want to look good, then that's your goal. Like, you know what I mean? Like hmm. if you're a type of person, like I've always struggled with this being obviously working in a weight room. Like I feel weird if I'm not in a weight room seven days a week. So it's like now that I've got older rather than trying to lift six days a week, if I feel like crap, I'm just going to go to the gym and just do some mobility recovery stuff. So like for my mental state, yes, I did go to the gym and stuff because that's kind of my just time to get away. But I did some recovery stuff like that. I didn't actually lift, you know what I mean? So it's like I'm decreasing my days, but I'm still trying to do something so that the next time I come lift that I'm going to be better, better off. Because like mm -hmm. I've noticed when I don't do those things, like I struggle. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, even with this last uh, peak, because last peak for the meet I did, actually my first one, my first peak in multiply, I was limping across that finish line. Like my shoulders were jacked up and, and I, my elbows felt like ass and like my hips started getting funky. And I realized quickly that it's like you, you really need to have those days, those down days so you can train. There's nothing worse when you're looking at a 90 plus percent squat on the day. And it's like, I can't get under fucking 300 pounds on this bar because my shoulders are so jacked up and it feels like there's a, a knife in my elbow. And it's like, I'm supposed to put fucking six more plates on a side. Like what the fuck am I going to be doing here? You know? And there's nothing worse than having that feeling of, I have not done the things I needed to do to feel good to be able to train. You have to get to the starting gate. You, you can't always just think you're going to feel good. And it's such bullshit. You just don't, <laughs> especially if you're doing something at a high level, like you just feel like shit. Um, so yeah, like when it comes to training is like, I don't, I, I'm a firm believer that if you don't have a specific goal to power lift, I don't think you should feel like shit all the time. You have to be able to rotate things in and out and make those modifications on a daily or weekly basis to be able to maintain that trajectory of positive growth. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to beat yourself up for no damn reason. Like you don't want to be 55 and have a hip replacement. It's like, Oh, did you do powerlifting? No, but I trained like a powerlifter. So it's like, it's your own damn fault that you're tore up, you know, like, you know, talking to some of the guys that have been around like an elite and stuff, it's been nice to kind of talk to them and get their words of wisdom and stuff, because you do see how beat up some of those guys are. So it's kind of like eye opening of like, shit, like, do I really want to be rolling off a bench like that when I'm that age? And it's like, in the back of your mind, you're like, fuck it, I'll be fine. But it's like, then you see and talk to those guys. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Like, let's maybe back off here and there and be a little smarter about it. Hmm. And I, and I think it, it, you got someone like Todd, who is very notorious for going two weeks on one week off or like two up one down. And it's 
almost like you want to just be in a position where, oh, we lost him there. I'm just going to keep rolling. Uh, you want to be in a position where you can really just uh, build and develop in a more streamlined way without running into those problems that cause that pain, that cause that injury and cause you to be in a position where you can't train because of an injury. You can't train because of fatigue. You can't train, you know, you can't hit the things that you're supposed to do in the program. I just rolled on it. You're good. Um, the, um, but yeah, no, you, you just have to always be in a position where you you allow yourself to get to that starting point and to feel good enough to train. Um, we're going to pause here for just a second because we had a little technical difficulty. We're going to do a little countdown again. And it'll be great. All the things. So yeah, no. So, so basically what we were saying is that uh, you kind of want to nip the recovery thing in the bud before it becomes a problem. Obviously, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you're screwed just because of time. Sometimes it's the last few weeks before meet. You just got to grin and bear it. But again, it kind of boils back to what's your goal. Is your goal to compete? Is your goal to get stronger? What is it? It has to match how you train. It has to match what the fuck it is that you're doing. No, I would agree 100% with that. So, yeah, man, I don't know. I think I, I think this is a, a quality chunk of information for people to kind of, you know, just ask better questions. And I think that that's one of the biggest things is because there is no one right answer for everybody. Like they, there's only there's only getting better week to week. And is your program getting you better week to week or is it making you get more and more fucked up or do you just not enjoy it? Because I, we've all been in a situation where we're training and we're like, this just sucks. And I don't see the reason why I'm doing this. And the training always has to match what you're looking to get out of it. And you have to enjoy it. So long story short, how we program for people, how, you know, you should program for yourself. Just kind of like a recap, start by asking yourself questions. What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? Uh, do you have a very specific goal in mind? Is it, is it performance driven or is it more aesthetically driven? And if you can answer those questions, then the rest kind of fall into place, right? The, the nuts and bolts and the X and O's, you start to fill those out based on your past training history. You look back and realize like, oh, I had a tremendous amount of growth when I was following this. Maybe that's a good starting point. Um, what I like to say is always like, have a sharp pencil with a really good eraser because you're you're going to be changing shit all the time. You're going to modify shit all the time. Um, shit, even when I was, I was programming for, for the, the college teams that I work with, I was talking to Travis and he's like, dude, you're going to fucking, you're going to write a program out. You're going to print it out. You're going to be so excited. And then you're going to fucking after the first day, you're probably going to crumple it up. And that's exactly what I did because you can have all these thoughts. You can have all these you know, great ideas, but when it comes to execution, you don't know what you're dealing with that day. You don't know, you know, how you're going to feel going into things. And it's important to realize that that sort of ebb and flow is part of the training process. And it shouldn't be something that you kind of run away from. Yeah, no, I would agree. Like everybody's going to respond different to all sorts of different styles of training. And, you know, like, 
some people train in the morning, some people train in the evening, like it's going to affect you as an individual, like you just got to find out what works best for you. And like when you're talking, if you do decide to hire a coach, like find the coach that's for you, like just because, you know, they set world records or like they have huge numbers or they have the best body in the world, right? Like they may not be the best coach for you. Like try to find out like who they've trained or coached for before and like see if it's like individuals for you or even talk to those individuals and try to find out as much information before you go giving somebody all your money and, and kind of put all your training in their hands and stuff like just be smart about it like there's so many i know the coaching world's getting a lot bigger with strength sports and stuff so it's just be smart and find the person for you fuck yeah man so uh travis thank you very much for jumping on with me this was an absolute pleasure as always uh, I'm looking forward to beating the shit out of you in the 220 weight class. Just kidding. Uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> any, uh, any last words, any final words for this uh, besides fuck you, Sparky? No, man, it's been awesome. I'll, like I said, I'll jump on here anytime and talk with you. So anytime. It's been fun as usual. And uh, we'll see if 220 happens. Oh my God. You let me know if it's going to happen because I'll go fucking 198. I'll cut a leg off. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not going to fucking be in the same goddamn class as you. Fuck that noise. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, guys, thank you very much for jumping on this episode. We hope you appreciated it and liked it. And uh, as always, share it, do all the things, and we'll see you in the next one.